1: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed, internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's episode, Bayern Munich win a sixth title as they're crowned inaugural Christmas champions after their last-minute win at Bayer Leverkusen and Leroy Sané get subbed on and off. Big city club Hertha looked like heading for the small time following a 4-1 defeat at Freiburg and having denied Lucien Favre a last Christmas, Borussia Dortmund concede from a different corner in time-honored fashion at Union Berlin. All of this and more in Starcast. With me today, spreading seasonal gifts of football knowledge and wisdom is Christoph Biermann. But talking of presents, don't forget we have a get one gift one offer available for you at the moment. Go to theathletic.com slash Starcast Pod to take advantage of this very fine offer. Christoph, before we get going and talk about the games on match day 13, the last match day before Christmas. I think we have to talk about a miscarriage of justice. Uh, One Bundesliga-based coach took a very decent but by no means extraordinary team all the way to the greatest triumph possible, but was criminally overlooked by FIFA. Where was Urs Fischer in the voting?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> A huge scandal overlooked by many, but uh, luckily not by you. And yeah, not by I mean, you, Christoph, because no, you wrote no, the no. book
1: literally on,
0: on your belly. <laughs> but I'm still astonished about the development uh, Union has uh, made during this season and it's even more impressive because we were thinking yeah, the main influence was the fantastic transfer of Max Kruse, who also inspired other teams in the past, particularly Werder Bremen, but he's out injured and uh, in a week where, in one of the many weeks uh, that uh, Max Kruse is missing because of his uh, injury they were drawing uh, against Bayern Munich a bit unluckily a uh, drawing at Stuttgart, where they uh, were conceding two late goals and uh, beating uh, Borussia Dortmund. And um, yeah, that was altogether very impressive. It's a, a fantastic achievement for not only Osfuscher but for the whole team and for the whole club. With this uh, uh, Christmas coming closer, I think we can say that um, now Union is the surprise team of the season well it certainly looks like it
1: they're up in six just one point off Borussia Dortmund after that two win <laughs> win over them on Friday night don't laugh Christoph it's the truth
0: <laughs> I'm
1: just reading out numbers here
0: <laughs>
1: and as you said the Max Cruiser narrative no longer explains what's going on at least not in in recent weeks did they just take advantage of Dortmund's Terrible defending, or was there some underlying dominance or underlying quality that uh, perhaps could could be missed by the more casual viewers?
0: No, I I think in the end they they deserved the win. I mean they they got the two goals from set pieces, <laughs> again from set pieces uh, uh, like so often. But they created a lot of goal chances also from open play. And compared to last season, Union uh, shows a, a huge development in in. Uh, what they could create up front, the opposing goal, and they scored. I, I, you have the numbers at hand. I think the third most goal in the uh, among all Bundesliga teams, and that is uh, uh, surprising as well. But but you're right. It it's, it tells a lot about the quality of the players, maybe overlooked qualities about the team spirit, the coherence, but also a lot about the. Uh, uh the work of the coaching staff around uh, Os Fischer and Os Fischer himself so because you have the impression when you see them they are not just flying like what what you sometimes have that uh, team's play better than they actually are but when you see them play it it looks rock solid altogether in defense uh, but also that they are able to to create more goal chances now yeah again very, very impressive.
1: Absolutely. And as you said, they've scored 27 goals. That's more, one more than Borussia Dortmund. And If you compare the two teams, the two squads, especially in attack, that's not a stat that you would have thought is possible ahead of the start of the season, especially with their main goal threat of last season, Sebastian Andersen leaving and Max Kruse being injured, as we said, over the last few weeks. So an unbelievable achievement uh, yet again from Union. Uh, 2019. 2020 has been fantastic for them in all respects, but the same cannot be said of Borussia Dortmund. Now, Joachim Löw has been making the point that Matsumulus has hit the wall. He did on Friday, quite literally, um, <laughs> lashing out angrily at a advertising board after the defeat on Friday in front of television camera and then proceeding to blame one or two colleagues, even though he didn't name them for mistakes that he felt was was unacceptable. I mean, why is it that uh, now Lucien Favre has moved on, Dortmund's vulnerability at set pieces and in defence altogether just doesn't seem to be able to, to be dealt with? Or are we simply having to wait a little bit longer for Edin Terzic to right the many wrongs sorry, Christoph, that seem to have become part of this Dortmund team especially when it comes playing without the ball under Lucien Favre.
0: Borussia Dortmund is a team that conceded far too many goals um, after set-pieces and it were uh, two again and um, Mats Hummels was criticising Emre Can without naming him because he, he he should have been the player to mark Marvin Friedrich of Union Berlin before the second goal but he, he wasn't seen anywhere close. And I think that's something that uh, shows a bit the problems that uh, Borussia Dortmund Dortmund are having they it's it's a lack of concentration you could also see on Friday that there was a general lack uh, of energy and uh, they are paying a bit the price for for having a lot of younger players not 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 the majority but they have some younger players and I think it has been a straining season so far but that's not the uh, the real explanation I think in the end we must see that under uh, Lucien Favre a lot of things have deteriorated um, over the times and obviously he also had had lost the team uh, at the end uh, of his reign and now Uh, Terzic and maybe also uh, Michael Zorc um, have to uh, reorganize uh, the squad that was okay. Uh, when they were winning in in Bremen, uh, but it wasn't enough at Union Berlin, and um, and I think there is a lot of work to do for Terzic because um, right now it looks like a real chance that Borussia Dortmund could miss uh, the the Champions League, and that would be a major blow uh, for for the club, and um, and and they have to desperately avoid it.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That That is the worst case scenario. It's a real catastrophe if they were to miss out on top four. They're two points behind Wolfsburg now, who won on Sunday against Stuttgart 1-0. A pretty edgy game. And it is that fear of missing out on the Champions League that I think ultimately led them to pull the plug on, on Favre prematurely. But we'll have to see if that one works out. I think we need to talk about Berlin's other club, though. They would love to be in Union's position. Hatter down in fourteenth on thirteen points. Just three points of the relegation playoff spot. I mean your Bielefeld is certainly sitting with ten points. And they lost four one at Freiburg in one of the worst performances of the season for them? I think it's it's probably fair to say.
0: Also fair to say that so far, Hertha has been the disappointment of, of, of the season so far, because when you look at how much money they invest within the last 12 months, uh, I mean, last winter they were celebrating themselves a bit as the team in the world. Uh, that spend the most money on, on the transfer market, and they also uh, spend more money in summer. And even if you say, "Yeah, we have to develop a, a team, and it's 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 not not uh, all clicking in in a minute," I, I, it's a failure. And also. Also, I mean, they they were not only losing a one-four at a uh, Freiburg. They also had a terrible nil-nil draw in the week uh, at home to to Mainz, uh, to Mainz. And so, if you put that all together, I think there are a lot of question marks around Bruno Labbadia because you you don't see any kind of development. And all the questions about Michael Pretz will come back. Is he the right man after 250 years? At, uh, Tata BSC um, to uh, turn things round. What will happen with uh, investor Lars Winters, who, who provided the money for the big investments, um, and uh, and I think uh, it will be n- n- not not the nicest uh, Christmas for the the people at Tata.
1: No, it's certainly not looking good. Uh, as you said, question marks about Bruno Lavadia being asked. I think. Before the start of the season, there were doubts that he might not be the manager that takes Hertha all the way to the promised land of European places. Now there are doubts whether he can keep them up almost. Um, Been quite a dramatic fall. What will happen with Vintorst? There were some stories about him refusing or maybe halting the last payment of some of the investment money that was supposed to come in. Are Hertha in danger of sort of losing him? Or is it too late for him no. to walk away because he's <laughs> yeah. kind of all in with his money now?
0: Yeah, there, there's too much money in to just leave. I, I think the situation is a bit unclear uh, why the uh, payments have been po- postponed. Uh, some people are speculating that he is trying to put Herta under pressure because i mean the situation here is um he is a minority investor so so he is not in the driving seat to make uh, decisions but he has put so much money into the club that he is in a uh, a position where he he can apply some pressure. Also, via the advisory board uh, where three of his people are are placed among them Jens Lehmann? And I think he he can't be satisfied, as nobody at Hertha can be satisfied. So I think if there is a a, a unified feeling between the ultras of Hertha and and Lars Winter, it's it's disappointment of what has happened in in Ra- in recent months. So because it's it's just not enough for what they put in in uh, money and work and energy
1: I mean it's it's hard to see that a team that features Cunha and Piontek and Luccchi and Ganduzi and Darida and Stark and, and that's just midfield playing playing so badly.
0: It seems like as if Labadia is lacking a plan, or he, I think he surely will have a plan, but but uh, it turns out to be very difficult to to implement it. Um, he has uh, been complaining before the start of the season uh, that they that the team was lacking leaders. I don't know if that's one of the explanations. Uh, it looks a bit like Matteo Genduzzi, who came on in on loan from Arsenal, he he looks a bit like this um, on on the on the field. But but if that's true, I think it's it's interesting again that uh, somebody who comes in late as a uh, a loan player seems to be the leader of the team. So if there's a leader missing or not, or if there is a plan there or not, nothing has been working so far. I think you're right. I mean, expecting Gunduzi to lead the line on loan from
1: Arsenal. It's a bit of an indictment, really, for this for this Hertha team. And if there's one, I guess, criticism we can point at their transfer policy is that it doesn't seem to have a a structure uh, inside, inside the team. There are a lot of players there, and perhaps that's inevitable when you're starting a new project. There are a lot of players there who you think are probably just there because of a pretty big paycheck, not necessarily because they believe in Bruno Labbadia and Hertha as a as a club that much at least that's the feeling we're getting at the moment maybe I'm being a little bit unfair but is a team devoid of character at least at the moment it seems
0: to me there is a lot of individual uh, qualities and um, but there is it seems all loose and not not connected and in a way uh, Union Berlin is uh, is the exact opposite because you would say yeah um, there is talent in in this squad, and maybe more than Uh, people would think but especially they have a lot they have uh, fit their things together and uh, uh, they working as a team on the on the pitch they acting like a team off the pitch and uh, that is uh, what you what you what you're not not seeing at uh, their blue friends from the other end of the city
1: friends in inverted commas of course because since they've been reunited in the Bundesliga there is no Love lost, at least not between the ultras. Christoph, is it cruel to talk about Schalke? I, I feel, you know, you don't want to yeah. kick somebody who's already down, but I think we have to. They activated the Hoop-Stevens protocol, uh, bringing back their <laughs> Dutch manager of the uh, century, I think, they officially voted. Yeah, yes, but that's of last, course. Ce- last century, last century, <laughs> unfortunately. In this one, he's back for his fourth stint in Gersenkirchen, but even his... Uh, messianic properties weren't quite enough to stop Schalke going down once more to the 29th game without a win they lost 1-0 against Arminia Bielefeld at home and you wonder is there anything that can stop Schalke going all the way to the Bundesliga too the way they're going at the moment,
0: I, I don't know. It's uh, when you see them play, it's it's uh, it looks like probably the worst team that has ever played in the Bundesliga. Because what what we are saying about Hertha is they have a lot of individual qualities and they don't get it together. And when you look at Schalke, you, you think there are almost no individual qu- uh, quality there anymore. Although. I think uh, a lot of player will will, will find it uh, sometimes later in their career, maybe not at Schalke anymore, and they don't get it together. And so, and Arminia Bielefeld is also a, a team with its uh, limitations. So it's very um, nicely put. Yeah, I think the general feeling uh, among Schalke fans is is now, or uh, the the question most of them ask is. Okay, we, we accept it, we'll be go, go down maybe as the worst team in the history of the Bundesliga and so on. But what then? What, what can we do when we're, when we're in the second division? Because they will be um, a second division team. Uh, with uh, a quarter of a billion in debt and uh, also I think a lot of people will be uh, players will be out of contract when they go down so they they don't get any uh, transfer fees so they will I don't know where they start from scratch almost with used players or, or whatever so that you you don't even have the fantasy that they will rebound in in style and and return uh, very fast. So it's not only this season, it's also the uh, the future for Schalke actually looks looks totally bleak. It
1: does, but then again, they're only only 6 points off the relegation playoff spot and maybe with another managerial change over christmas they can still rebound. It should be possible to pick up a few more points with this team. They're not unbelievably bad. It's just they're totally devoid of any sort of confidence. Uh, Alexander Zoninger has been uh, has been muted as a possible replacement of the replacement of the replacement <laughs> of um, David Wagner. What do you think is that? is that a viable option or uh, maybe oh, or even, th- even uh, Lucian Favre I have seen mentioned as well.
0: <laughs> Not I, 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 yeah but, but I think it's uh, uh, it's nothing that is attractive for um for for anybody who has been coaching in the um, Champions League uh, five days ago, or was it 10 days ago? No, I, I think when they were looking uh, for a new coach uh, before they signed Manuel Baum, I was saying here that they should look for a coach with a lot of experience and and maybe somebody who, who can pl- play the role of the father. Uh, to these players because you said it I mean they are very likely not as bad as players as they look like right now but it needs somebody who approaches them with a lot of warmth a lot of support with a with some decent structure in their play so for me so so if I had to decide who will become the next Schalke manager it would be Friedhelm Funkel who is uh, very experienced, and I think he, he would have bring in all the qualities that, that are needed uh, right now. I, I would doubt if, if, if he could actually turn things around completely, but I think he at least would manage to uh, change uh, the atmosphere. Around the team, and um, and I think that would be a lot right now.
1: Yeah, well, Funkel likes to play counter-attacking football with fast, fast forwards or, or big number nines. Shakai don't really have those players.
0: Well, they have some. Uh, they ha- have some f- uh, fast player. They have Matondo. They have Rahman. and, oh, and yeah, maybe Matondo, yes. uh, and Raman is also uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty fast. And maybe Paciencia will will come back in the new year. The, the options are all limited. But I think it's also and 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 Friedhelm is a pr- pragmatical coach, he will look at okay, what do I have here? What ca- can I do with this? And how can I start build from that? But about um, that, I, I don't have, I don't want to to convince anybody at Schalke here. Yeah, but to me, it uh, would uh, would be a a decent and also um, logical uh, solution, and I, and I think he would be happy to do it.
1: Yeah, Fium Funkel, the big Sam Allardyce of the Bundesliga, perhaps coming in to save Schalke. Let's see what happens there. In in happier news, I guess it was another good week for. The champions uh, by Munich with not especially convincing performances against Wolfsburg and Leverkusen on Saturday. But as they so often do, (coughs) finding a way to win both games and especially with the last kick, virtually the last kick of 2020 for them, Robert Lewandowski coming up with the winner away to Leverkusen in a game that could have easily gone Leverkusen's way but once more, Bayern's mentality, quality, whatever you want to call it, prevailed. Was this the game, Christoph, and the result that paves the way for another trophy for Bayern, even though they've been struggling? their
0: standards in recent weeks before the start of this week we had two undefeated teams in the Bundesliga one was Wolfsburg and uh, the other one was Leverkusen at the end of the week we don't have any undefeated teams in the Bundesliga anymore because the two teams were meeting uh, Bayern and I think that uh, to an extent tells the story as you mentioned that they were winning with the last kick of of uh, 2020 uh, in Leverkusen was so important Impressive in a way because uh, you're right, Leverkusen created a lot of problems for Bayern, especially in the first half. But in the second, the, the closer it got towards uh, the end of the match, the more you had the feeling that if there would be one team uh, to win it, it would be Bayern. And if you were talking about them being tired and having problems and they had to take off Leroy Sané, who who they brought in uh, during the match. Uh, so what in Germany is called uh, Höchststrafe, I don't know what that is in English and uh, i mean I guess uh, it's
1: capital punishment, but it doesn't mean that he was he was, he was <laughs>
0: killed uh, yeah no he wasn't killed but but he uh, was but killed in a way, in a way. so
1: metaphorically
0: he was killed yeah and so that could have been the uh, story of a very complicated match with a lot of repercussions afterwards but now it is like um, it gives so uh, football is always a lot about narratives and and this is the narrative uh, the eternal narrative in the Bundesliga and in the end Bayern will win and what did they do in the end they won it in the end they won against in Leverkusen in the end, they won against Wolfsburg. In the end, they won seven games in the row where their opponents were leading one uh, 0 and so the, it's it's tough for the um, uh, for the opposition and it gives everybody the feeling that uh, yeah, in last in recent weeks we thought mm, yeah maybe we can get something maybe we can sneak through to the Bundesliga title, but now. Uh, uh, the road looks—I wouldn't say paved for to, to, for the title, but it will be still rocky and and so on. But that was very impressive. It was actually really impressive what they did there.
1: Well, Bayern's win made all the more impressive that by the fact that none of the usual contenders for the title or supposed ones managed to win. Uh, Leverkusen, of course, lost. Uh, Leipzig, very disappointing. 0-0 draw at home to Cologne. Durban, we talked about, only Wolfsburg of the top sides managed to bounce back from their defeat against Bayern with a 1-0 win over Stuttgart that we briefly mentioned. So Bayern sitting top with 30 ahead of Leverkusen 28 and Leipzig 28 as well. But Christoph, you were right. This game, this win could have easily been going in a different direction and the story could have easily been about the struggles of young Leroy S. Leroy Sané getting subbed on and then subbed off after 36 minutes on the pitch and everyone kind of making the point that yes he needs to learn and he was fairly I guess professional in his in his reaction both on the pitch and and later on saying I have to you know make the right conclusions and and work harder and so on and and all of kind of german football talking about him um, over the weekend Uh, where is this going i mean is this just something that people in munich talk about because the team is winning and it the fact that they're winning is less of a story than you know a big signing not being quite happy or is there sort of a bigger story here, one that that we actually need to keep an eye on?
0: I think we have um, uh, at least keep an eye on it because uh, you, you can you can argue, yeah, he 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 got. He came back from an injury, Leroy Sané, and he has uh, so that was what what Hansi Flick is saying that he has um, he has to to develop his form uh, to to the best that has happened so far and but but I think that's it's the overall underlying story with Leroy Sané throughout his career. That you sometimes have the feeling that he is taking things not seriously enough from time to time so he is he is more the artist who provides the icing on the cake compared to the other ones who are grinding down their their opponent i don't know if if that's if, if that's altogether or was always fair, but at least it's true to an extent. And I, I think we have to see how, um how he adapts it because at Bayern every artist is also uh, helping to grind down the opponent. Uh, that's the uh, part of the culture of Bayern or the DNA of, of, of the club. And maybe in the end he adapts to it or it turns out yeah that he doesn't. And uh, then he will probably leave to, to somewhere else.
1: Yeah, karl heinz Rummenigge making a point that he hasn't yet developed the Bayern DNA in terms of application, mentality, effort, all the sort of things that have become more important as Bayern have developed a different style of play over the last 10 years. I think it used to be easier for for individualists to to shine as long as Bayern were playing this kind of hero football where it was very much geared towards individuals doing stuff now that they're a collective unit with Thomas Müller leading the line both in a in a physical sense, but also as a as a figurehead for this this style of playing, with constant movement and, and putting a lot of pressure on the opposition. Somebody like Llorisani sticks out at the moment, uh, and a lot of people are already drawing sort of comparisons with his lack of game time at Manchester City in his last year under Pep Guardiola, and whether you know he is, he is geared towards towards playing that way. And I think you're right. It is, this is a little bit of a make-or-break situation for him. One point I think we should mention, and I've written about this in, in the column today, is that there's also a slightly political dimension to this because Hansi Flick was pretty open about the fact that Leroy Sané wasn't necessarily his preferred buy. He was talking about, about a lot about Timo Werner and how he felt that he could play on the wing and Werner was a more proven player, I think, in his mind. And... And they were sunny after the injury and, um, you know, perhaps being not, not, not such a workhorse was, was maybe less of a fit. And ultimately, the, the club felt that they knew better. And at Bayern, the club buys the player, of course, with the input of the manager. But if this now doesn't work out, I think it leaves Flick in an even stronger position. Would that be a fair analysis or am I reading too much into this?
0: I think the conflicts about who to sign or who not to sign haven't been so big in in recent months I think I my impression is that uh, things have calmed down um, also about the role of uh, Hassan Sali and, and so on because um, uh, some uh, some things turned out well others not so were not so good but altogether, it it's it seems okay so so I I think there is no political struggle actually where now the uh, Hansi flick is a in a, is in a stronger position I think his his um, position after winning the the triple couldn't be any bigger and um, I think they also tried to, to sign Werner or um, you know that better but and so I, I think also it's, it's not too premature to uh, say that uh, Leroy Sané was, uh, was a flop as a, as a signing. So we, I think we have to, to wait a bit more uh, to, to judge about it.
1: Oh, That is absolutely true but I think he has been put on notice. Uh, that he needs to, to really up his game now and it is a bit of a statement. Even if he hadn't been subbed on, just the fact that he was subbed off for Jamal Muziala, a um, 17-year-old, and Flick saying, well, I needed someone to do something for us in in attacking situations and treat the ball better. You know, that that is a pretty pretty big statement from, from Flick. One thing that Bayern really need to hope will persist is Joshua Kimmich coming back because I think his impact... After his return from injury was was immediate, and Bayern looks so much happier when they have his presence in midfield and and also his his skills. Uh, one thing that I thought was quite shocking, Christoph. I don't know how how you felt about it. Was the fact that Leverkusen kind of completely negated Bayern's midfield game? <laughs> I mean, the amount of of stray passes and lack of of any kind of fluidity in combination was. Was quite bad. I don't think I've seen Bayern, you know, struggle so much in the build-up uh, in a game of this magnitude in, in recent months. Um, it was quite telling. I mean, on the one hand, Leverkusen did well, and that was part of Peter Bosch's plan, and it worked out very nearly. On the other hand, I think there was also Bayern. A, being tied and B, just lacking that kind of personnel without Kimmich, without Goretzka, without Thiago, who, who sadly has gone... The midfield does look a little bit ropey and uh, Kimmich coming back immediately lifted, lifted the quality, didn't it?
0: When you think of the situation, I mean, he, he was out for five weeks um, and and they were thinking if, if they should, should take him to Leverkusen. And one of the explanations why they took him to Leverkusen is Hansi Flick was saying that it's too good to have him around. Uh, not, not even on the pitch, so it he, he even uh, seems to make an in, um, influence uh, uh, when they are in, uh, in the dressing room or when they're eating together or sitting on a plane, I don't know. That is uh, 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 tells a lot, but, but when you started the, uh, the question you were saying about uh, the player where they should pray for to be in the team, I think you were talking about the world player, the winner of the Ballon d'Or. Because yes, I, if too. I could, uh, th- because if I could think of any player in the Bundesliga um, uh, who who makes say uh, the uh, difference uh, to the rest of all, it's it's uh, Robert Lewandowski. And again, he showed it uh, against uh, Leverkusen with having the, the final word of the year, and he is so. He is so fantastic; it's 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 barely unbelievable.
1: Yeah, just the four goals from him this week to um, get Bayern <laughs> the six points that they they barely deserved. Um, they Deserved them, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the two goals on on Saturday were not not quite Lewandowski classics. The first one, a mistake from Hadetsky and, and Jonathan Tarr, leaving him with the most simplest of of headers and that last-minute strike a deflection after a Navatar mistake uh, very late on. Uh, And Kimmich, of course, winning the ball back, uh, it should be said. But yeah, Lewandowski cutting a very, very happy figure uh, this week having finally won at least one of the two big individual uh, awards that uh, FIFA and France Football bestow, having having won the uh, FIFA Best best award. And Bayern uh, also feeling very, very proud that they were able to for the first time actually have a player uh, that was recognized uh, to that extent. So the only previous Bundesliga-based player to actually win uh, an an individual award uh, as such was uh, Matthias Sommer in 1996. That's how long it's been for the Bundesliga. But Bayern being able to fulfill Lewandowski's dreams uh, both in terms of trophies and successes is part of the reason why 2020 ended the way they did and there would be an additional pod looking back on Bayern's magnificent year coming out very very soon but for today that's I think all the angles covered Christoph Anything else we didn't talk about? I don't think there is. Maybe we should just quickly mention that Borussia Gladbach had another bad game. They lost at home 2-1 to Hoffenheim and they're now in eighth, sort of treading water a little bit after their uh, fantastic exploits in the Champions League. Perhaps their effort and, and all you know the difficult games in the Champions League catching up with them a little bit domestically. And,
0: and I guess that's to be anticipated to a certain extent. Anything else you'd like to add before we go? Honourable mentioning Freiburg, because they got nine points out of the last uh, three games. And uh, I think they um, changed their season round within these uh, seven days. So everybody happy at the Breisgau before Christmas.
1: Yeah, and Freiburg, of course, eternal uh, relegation candidate as as far as my personal predictions are concerned and always proving me wrong. And it seems to be yet another case, but... uh, Early days, early days. Um, This is a weird because it goes into the mini winter break after only 13 games. So the usual sort of grand conclusions after exactly half of the season gone are a little bit less relevant perhaps or slightly less convincing. Uh, But we'll have to see... If they can keep it up at the top, it's very much binds to lose. But you knew that before. So thank you, dear listener. Thank you, Christoph. It's been a very, very exciting first half of the season. It's been a very exciting 2020 full stop. We'll see you on the other side, back with match day 14 in early January. Do tune in then. Have a good one. And as we say in Germany, rutscht gut rein.